welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. In this interview, Lily Shockney, Professor of Surgery at Johns Hopkins University, will be discussing the pathology of breast cancer. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. So what is the pathologist looking for in determining when they're looking at the microscope at breast tissue from a biopsy or from breast cancer surgery? So first they're looking to confirm that this is breast cancer and what kind of breast cancer is it? The most common form is invasive ductal carcinoma. 80% of women are diagnosed with that type. There's also a, a little rarer type called invasive lobular carcinoma. It actually grows differently. We need to do breast MRI in order to actually see its true size. It usually doesn't show up very well on mammograms. They're also looking to see, well, how rapidly are these cells multiplying and subdividing, known as the grade. Grade one is slow growing, grade two is moderate growing, grade three is fast growing. Most breast cancers are grade three, fast growing, but that term fast growing is a relative term. To be a one centimeter tumor, and it's you need two and a half centimeters to equal one inch. So you're looking at something about a third of an inch in size and it being a grade three, it's been growing for about five years but yet it's a grade three, it's considered rapidly growing. The pathologist also does some special tests on those breast cancer cells to see what reaction there are for specific receptors, estrogen receptor, progesterone receptor, and a receptor called HER2. Estrogen and progesterone are the two female hormones that are in women's bodies. But men also have estrogen in their body, just not as much as we have. And we also have some testosterone and some androgen in our body, just not as much as men do. So even if it's a, a man's breast cancer, it's tested for estrogen and progesterone to see whether or not estrogen and or progesterone, but in particular estrogen, stimulates these breast cancer cells to grow. If it does, then it is deemed to be estrogen receptor positive. And the pathologist is to actually determine to what degree of positivity and not just say it's positive or it's negative, but it's 80% positive, it's 90% positive, it's 100% positive. That is something that is relieving to see, believe it or not. We want it to be hormone receptor positive because we have drugs called hormonal therapies and CDK4-6 inhibitors that we can give a patient that can block the ability of estrogen that's naturally in her body to reach a breast cancer cell and feed it anymore. So it starves those breast cancer cells because the fuel to feed them was in fact her female hormones. So that's a good thing. And now HER2, uh, this is a protein that the breast cancer cells have with, within it. And if that breast cancer cell overproduces that specific HER2 protein, then it is HER2 positive. It is considered to be a mischievous cancer, an aggressive cancer, and a little harder to treat, as well as one that might want to return. Now, it used to be if it was HER2 positive, we would say, I'm so sorry, your tumor is HER2 positive. Today, we are able to say, mm, 
it's not a favorable prognostic factor. It is HER2 positive, but we now have drugs specifically for HER2 positive disease. So she will be given one or several of those drugs. She usually receives them for a year. Uh, they're given IV uh, infusion and they were so effective, so incredibly effective that when the research studies were done using the very first drug um, in this family, the trials ended very early because they could see that the women that were receiving it, uh, and with the first study, these were women that had metastatic breast cancer, it was shrinking their tumors. It was shrinking it in their liver, in their lungs, in their bones. It was incredible. So they said, stop the trial. This drug works. Let's give it now to everyone that participated in the trial, including those that were getting a placebo with chemotherapy. So that was very exciting. And I, I was in clinic uh, seeing patients when that news came through. And boy, oh boy, we were dancing in the hallways over that. That was absolutely fabulous. There are some other more subtle uh, prognostic factors that uh, the pathologist will also look, uh, look upon. Uh, KI-67 is one, which is a different way to measure the aggressiveness and the rapidness of these uh, tumor cells uh, growing. There's also something called luminal A and luminal B that um, today we are not necessarily using those to help determine specific treatments, but I do believe that we will in the future. Everyone thinks that we should have a cure by now for breast cancer. And believe me, the world underestimates just how complex this disease is. Um, there are no two breast cancers that are the same. There are many, many, many tiny little minuscule features of these cells that are in and of itself unique to that patient and only to her. And it's gonna take us quite a few more years before we decipher all of this and then can figure out biologically how to control it. Immunotherapy is what we're now using, which is a, a, a different way of, of treatment, very different way of treatment, using our own immune system to stop cancer cells in general because uh, we've been using it for lung cancer and melanoma for quite some time. And I'm excited to see us in the land of immunotherapy, but there will even be others, other treatments that will come out to be able to squash this disease as soon as it's identified or even give us a vaccine to prevent it. I believe my granddaughter, who is almost 13, she is the generation that she will see a vaccine. I know she will. So how important is it to have a breast pathologist rather than a general pathologist do this type of evaluation? Well, a general pathologist, quite frankly, is the jack of all trades, master of none. And anytime you're dealing with cancer, this is when you need the highest level of accuracy. Research studies have been done to prove that a breast pathologist is more accurate in reading results under that microscope than a general pathologist who's looking at 
pancreatic cancer, lung cancer, brain cancer, prostate cancer. They're all different. They all have their own idiosyncrasies. You want a breast pathologist that that's all they see all day. Breast, 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 because they're going to be more accurate. You also want to make sure that where your pathology slides are prepared and reviewed, that they have two breast pathologists, one reading these pathology slides and coming up with the answers, setting those slides over here to the left, and a second breast pathologist picking them up and putting them under the microscope and reading them all over again without any discussion between the two doctors. Their pathology reports must match or no results are to be given because people make mistakes. People make mistakes. There are a lot of facilities that only have a pathologist to read everything that comes through the door. So there's no one to do quality control on him or her. And there's no one to train them how to specialize in any particular kind of cancer. The pathologist ironically holds all the cards. The treatment decisions recommended to the patient are based on what the pathologist found. And yet the patient may never meet that person. And yet when you think about it, that person is the most important person because they determined that they had cancer, what kind of cancer it was, what the prognostic factors were, how fast is it growing, et cetera, which then sets the treatment options. Thank you for listening to Oncology Data Advisor. Be sure to check back throughout Breast Cancer Awareness Month for more of this exclusive interview series, all found at oncdata.com. 